You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into the Yachtson Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem, Eric Scopel on the show as always. And boy, we are going to the refrigerator, opening the door and pulling out that old, nasty, stinky food because we're going to review Oregon's 21-17 loss, second straight game. They've lost uh, this one coming at the hands of the California Golden Bears down in Berkeley Saturday afternoon or evening, uh, a game in which this is mind-boggling, Eric. 271 yards of total offense for Cal, and, and somehow Oregon lost this football game. 271 yards of total offense for Cal, and, and somehow Oregon uh, lost this football game doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, you kind of went back and reviewed the film. Um, you you've given your grades, and before we dive into the grades, Eric, um, what's just did anything like overwhelmingly stand out that you maybe didn't notice upon further review? I think the defense played better. The defense played better than I thought. Um, you go back and watch the two scoring drives in the first half, and they made Cal work for everything on those drives. The second one, honestly, is an aberration drive. Um, there's a substitution error, and I don't know exactly who's at fault there in terms of the coaches are on fault for that one. Okay, there Substitutions, we go. in my eyes, that's in, that that's that, that's a coaching staff not 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 sure what they're doing or they're right. not they haven't gotten the players prepared. Okay. And you can argue all you want. Like, hey, we told this guy to go out there, but he didn't. And or a guy didn't come out. And that's on the coaching staff. So I, I view that as a pure coaching mistake. So there's a coaching mistake. Kayvon Thibodeau is called for a personal foul and unsportsmanlike call. You go watch that. And that's a flop by Cal, pure and simple. It's a flop. You know, and, and understand that happens. And that you're going to have players flop and, and get the benefit of the doubt. I hate that it cost Oregon points there. And then the pass interference in the end zone on Bennett Williams is just a atrocious, not a, not a good call. And you remove any of those three penalties, and that's either a punt to Oregon and no points, or a field goal or no points again. And any of those sequences happen, and Oregon probably wins this game. Obviously, the field goal scenario muddies the waters a little bit, makes it like a you're looking at like a 17 17 game, et cetera. But like, that drive is one of the more bizarre drives to go back and watch because Oregon plays really, really well, like almost every down aside from a couple of stupid mistakes. You go look at even the drive before that Cal had some positive plays, but it wasn't like you watch it and are like, boy, Oregon got exposed there. The running game, the entire game was non-existent for Cal. Some, you know, the biggest chunk of yards gained a whole day was on a chase Garber's 21 yard run. Um, and if you watch that play, I'll be honest, the right tackle holds Braden Swinson, like really clearly. That could have easily been a penalty and that drive ends. Um, and I believe that was the scoring, that was the drive where there were all the penalties in Oregon anyway. So, but the, like they were, they defensively, and I know like coverage wise, there were some, they were soft a couple times, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't as bad as I think I, I felt. And the, the one play in retrospect that was really glaring, and I think this is, more of a a Cal really good execution of a really nice play call from Bill Musgrave than anything else was the 
um, touchdown to Nico Remigio, the, the go-ahead score ends up yeah. being the game-winning score where you've got play action and you end up with Isaac Slade-Matoatia and Mace Funa trying to guard Nico Remigio, who is Cal's best receiver in space. And he's, I don't know what his 40 time is, but he's a heck of a lot. He's probably two to four times, two to four tenths faster than either of those guys. And that's just a, not a matchup you're ever going to win. And that's a tip of the cap to Cal. That's a, maybe Oregon defensively wasn't in the right scheme in that situation. But you like, you seriously, you removed those plays and you ran through the stats there. Cal had almost no explosive plays the whole game. They had the one pass attempt of more than 20 yards, and that was the Remigio touchdown. They had the one rush of more than 20 yards, and that was the Chase Garbers um, run for 21 yards. As The running backs had one run the whole game of, of more than 10 yards, of more than seven yards, I should say. Um, yeah, they, was, they had two chunk no plays. Explosive plays. Yeah, they had no chunk plays the whole game, and I, I think that really stood out. And I think on the, on the flip side, well, how did Oregon lose this game? Oregon also had just two chunk plays the entire game. Um, they were uh, Cal's chunk plays were on the ground and they also had the touchdown pass. Uh, and then you look at Oregon's chunk plays and they were all of 15 yards or more through the air. Uh, and, and you look at this game though and think, boy, Oregon just did nothing in, in terms of moving the football there. They, they had two just really good drives. Two, I, I think the, the first drive that they scored on, which was their second drive of the game, um, they ended up with three points. I, I think that one, awesome. that one you look at it and you say like, okay, they scored, but it should have been seven. Um, you That's got to the two-yard line and you didn't score a touchdown. You kicked a field goal from the two-yard line. I look at that as that's A, poor coaching because of play selection – Poor coaching because of uh, early in the game, three points shouldn't matter. It shouldn't come back to be the difference in the game. And I look at this and think, go for a touchdown. Try and score because you are the more powerful team. You are the the run dominant team. Go out there and try and score that touchdown and make it 7-0 early on. And, And had Oregon scored that touchdown instead of taking three points, it would have been 21-21 going into overtime. I don't – Oregon didn't lose this game in the first quarter, though. It lost it in the That's third quarter. That's true. That's very true. And I'm not trying to argue that, but yeah, those I are know. just mistakes that pop up. Totally, totally. And, um, yeah, I mean, just things that stood out is, is then is just uh, – and, you know, I, the flip side of that is how awful the, the offense was. And I know we chronicled just how much of a disaster it was. They had seven drives in the second half and gained 100 yards, and a lot of those came on the final drive of the game before they fumbled it. And it's like – it was just Tyler Shuck was really, really bad. I mean, yeah. really, really bad. And there's no way to sugarcoat this. There's no way to put lipstick on this pig because he was off on almost every throw until the final drive. I mean, the, the, the one, the longest drive of the second half was the 46 yard drive that gets into the red zone. Um, and then they get stonewalled on two straight runs up the middle and a turnover and downs. He really wasn't involved in that drive hardly at all. I mean, it was almost exclusively run plays. Travis Dye who was the only running back who really was productive. And like, at this point, this is maybe something we talk about as well, like big picture later on is like, I, I think based upon what we've seen at running back, I would play Travis Dye a lot more than CJ Verdell. And we saw that on Saturday, but the production, the last three games, really, it's been really clear that Oregon's offense runs more smoothly when Travis Dye is on the field. And 
I thought they went away from that. And I know part of it was that they tried to get a little more aggressive throwing it, but like Tyler Shuck clearly wasn't capable no. at that point. And he played really, really bad. And I would have turned to the run game more. You know, I think Travis Dye had a couple drives in the second half there where every time he touched it, it was like a five or six yard game. And this was a California defense. And this is another thing I kind of had lost track of while watching it was they were they were down a handful of, not a handful, but several defensive linemen and Oregon's offensive line, which we talked about in the past of how they've worn teams down, at least in the they first two not. games, the opposite happened. And I would have continued to work there. I think you have an opportunity to, to kind of grind the clock against this California team. And honestly, if Oregon took a lead and went up 24 to 21, I think the defense was going to make the plays. I mean, the defense played again, Defense played really, really well, and the fact that they gave up 21 points to Cal is is kind of mind-boggling given the yards that Cal gained. I mean, Cal basically gained all of its yards on the three touchdown drives, like literally 75, 80, and 64. You do the math there, that's like 220 yards, and they gained 270 for the game. Like, I mean, like literally those three drives, that's where it all came from, and one of them was a drive where Oregon just kind of gifted them opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. With, with penalties. I mean, to have a 19-play drive go 80 yards and take 10 minutes off the clock, that's a pretty unheard of situation. So, yep. um, yeah, so I mean, my takeaway really is I thought the defense actually played better than I thought, and I thought the offense played significantly worse in that second half than even I had thought before. It was what, really ugly. What unit graded out the best? Um, I gave the team's defensive line the best grade. And that's pretty stunning. But again, you go and you look at what happened and Oregon had a pass rush at times in this game. That was best. This is the best game of the season pass rush. And they had four sacks. Kayvon Thibodeau had one. Um, Andrew Folliou had one. Um, Bennett Williams, Isaac Slade, Matotia had, had one each. Um, Oregon had seven tackles for loss. Um, the run game, which we mentioned on the previous podcast, but you look at the stats here, you take a, like, Cal's running backs, Marcel Dancy had five carries for 34 yards, but the other main two that they run, um, well, he made it three, I should say. Chris Brown, who's their star, their star running back, who's coming off injury, nine carries, 14 yards. Bradrick Shaw, their other running back, six carries, 14 yards. Damian Moore, a fourth running back, 12 carries, 26 yards. Like they, they just didn't run the football effectively, and I think Oregon's defensive line played really, really well, and I give credit to Thibodeau for being – really solid and, and, and run situation. This was his best game of the year by far. Oh, no doubt. And he's playing really, really well on pass and run. And I think that's something you have to be encouraged about going forward. Um, I thought Christian Williams was a difference maker at time, making some plays. Austin Folliou as well. Um, I thought played his best game. I thought it was interesting that Jordan Scott probably played the fewest snaps. I don't have like an official snap count on this. Um, than he has in the previous weeks. And that was something we mentioned in the past of like, I don't think he's been a very, he's not been the difference maker we had expected or, or, or hoped he would be. And I was impressed that they went away from him a little bit. And, you know, and I don't think it's a direct correlation because I think part of it is the opponent and part of it's the game plan. And part of it's just everybody else stepping up, but Oregon's best game against the run by far this year is in a game where Jordan Scott was on the sideline a little bit more. And I think to me, that's a trend that needs to probably continue. Not probably. That's a trend that needs to continue. They were, you know, that's surprising given his size and his experience. And I know he made a couple of plays. Um, he did have a tackle for loss, but he's, 
he's kind of fallen off a little bit. But the good thing is we saw some other players step up. So, yeah, I gave the entire defense pretty favorable grades because back on, you know, you go, you go on rewatch, like even the, even even think about the Cal touchdowns they scored at the one-yard line, right? The first drive, they had three tries from the one-yard line and finally got it in on the fourth on the third try. The second time down there, they got the ball at the one-yard line. Oregon stops them, stops them, stops them, P.I., and then allows a touchdown. Like Oregon was like five for seven from one yard out and stopping Cal over a course of two drives there. And that was really impressive. The defense played really well at the line of scrimmage. And I mean, I, the linebackers weren't far behind. I gave, I think I gave the, I gave the defensive line a B plus and I gave the linebackers a B and simply like those, the front seven deserves a ton of credit. And we've ragged on them the whole season, especially the last couple of weeks when they got beaten pretty bad on the ground against Oregon state and UCLA. But this week, that was not the case, and they really, really stepped up. And you go into a week against Washington, and I know we're going to talk about that in later podcast, so I won't even go out too much, but I certainly have a little bit more confidence coming out of this week than I did previously, just in this group's ability to make plays. Okay, now let's put this Cal game behind us because, God, that was just bad. Um, moving forward, Oregon plays Washington. Hey, it's an afternoon kickoff. Woo-hoo. I think that's awesome. Uh, Duck fans can be excited about the fact that they don't have to wait all day to see this game play out. Um, there's also the aspect that, hey, it's Oregon versus Washington. And this game always is juicy. This game is always competitive. This game, for the most part, uh, this game is always fiery. Uh, and on top of that, believe it or not, somehow, some way, with both teams losing, it doesn't impact either team both Oregon and Washington go into this football game on Saturday afternoon at Austin stadium tied for first place in the conference North division. And the winner emerges as the PAC 12 North representative in the conference championship game. Um, The only caveat is if three games this week get canceled or if three games, the rest of the way, I believe get canceled the threshold for that Pac-12 championship game drops and they dissolve division races and they pick the two best teams, which would set up a USC versus Colorado matchup for the conference championship game. Personally, if I'm the Pac-12, I schedule USC versus Colorado this weekend over USC versus UCLA, Colorado versus Utah. You play that game because we need to know who's the best team in the South and you figure it out. You move that direction. Now it's another tangent, another discussion down the world, but Oregon, Washington this weekend and as crazy, as crappy as these last two weeks have been for the ducks, you win and you win the PAC 12 North. And (laughs) the goal every year is there's a bunch of goals and the first tier that you have to reach is 1-0 that week. The second tier is you have to win your division. The third tier is you have to win the Pac-12 championship game. And then the fourth tier is you win the Bros Bowl or you win the college football playoff game that, you're, that you have made. And you can still get to tier two. You can still get to tier three. Uh, and that in and of itself is still a successful season. And so as bad as this has been, as awful as, as you have felt as a Duck fan, 
you can still a beat the Washington Huskies and their chance at a Pac-12 North championship, win the Pac-12 North, and set you up where a one-game playoff situation to win the Pac-12 Conference Championship for a second straight year. As crazy and as bad as the last two weeks have been, it's still available. And I think that is going to be the carrot that has to be dangled in front of this team to keep their motivation, to keep the focus that, hey, you've lost back-to-back games. That hasn't happened since 2018. And you've lost them in uglier fashion in my mind. How can you keep this team from from buckling and and finishing the year three and three so that you can continue this momentum into 2021 no doubt and i think it's really fitting that it's oregon versus washington for the pac-12 division this just i mean as as rabid as these fan bases are against each other as much as they don't like each other this is not a rivalry that's really had a ton of games like this that you know at least recently where where the winner wins the division and, and wins the conference. I mean, that's, I mean, like the reality is, is that when Oregon's been good, Washington's been bad. When Washington has been good, Oregon's been bad. I argue this year, neither team's very good, but they're the best that the division has right now. Cause it's just been a freaking wonky year. Like you said earlier, like the only teams that won over the weekend in the Pac-12 North were, were Stanford and Cal. And those teams had no chance. were completely out of the play, you know, the conference and division uh, title races. So those, those wins were really beneficial for just, well, they weren't really beneficial for Oregon, but they were just, they didn't do anything. So you look at this and it's, it's fun to have Oregon versus Washington, not mean like something just from a bragging rights perspective, but for it to mean a lot more on like the, whatever the outcome of this game is, the other team's going to go into 2021 knowing the other team kept them from winning the division title and from going and playing in the conference championship game. Um, That is something that you very rarely are able to say. And I think it's a really, really cool setup this year that it works out this way, that the last game of the season is Oregon-Washington. Obviously, typically, it's been Oregon-Oregon State, and not to diminish that rivalry, but very infrequently. I know it's happened a couple of times, but very infrequently does the winner of that game, you know, is the, is the outcome of that game mean much of anything for the conference race this year? Having Oregon-Washington at the end, and maybe this is something I don't know if they'll see a scheduling shift going forward. Probably not. I think you like having that in-state rivalry game conclude your regular season, but I like the fact that it ends up Oregon, Washington. It matters. It means something this year. I mean, that's a really cool setup. And again, I wish this game had a little bit more juice and these were two teams that were unbeaten or, or, you know, or, or Washington had one loss and Oregon was unbeaten or vice versa. And these were two top two, two top 10 top 15 teams rather than two teams that are going to be outside the top 25. This is the first time, um, since 2015, these teams have neither team has been ranked in this series, and you have to go back a lot further than that to find the previous time before that because Oregon had won um, a lot of games straight in this series before that and had been ranked every single one of them. So um, very infrequent that you have both these teams outside the top 25 and uh, when they face, but it's it's I think it like that doesn't matter as much to me of like well I mean it, it, you'd like to see this game have a little bit more national publicity and have it mean a little bit more nationally. But from a regional perspective, it's I just think it's really exciting that it's Oregon-Washington, division titles on the line, and the loser of this game is going to go into 2021 going like, crap, we got to find a way to beat this other team because they took something from us.
Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it's official no one's got a ride like this there's nothing else that sounds like feels like or looks like the set of wheels in your garage with over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I look at this and think, okay, why will why will Oregon beat Washington? I think it's safe to assume that this Husky defense is pretty legit. Yeah. Um, you can run on them, I think, but from a passing standpoint – their pass rush is pretty darn good. Their secondary is pretty darn good. And that's what we've always known Washington to be the last, what, six or seven years. Um, their defense being pretty good. Their offense, I think at times, much like Oregon, can be really good and at other times can be really bad. I don't even think they've been re- – I don't think they're very good, period, to be honest, but we can talk about that in a second. They've, they've shown – I mean, I, I, I do think you have to take into account the Stanford – second half and the Utah second half in which they get down by big, big points. And then they roar themselves all the way back into this game. Didn't win against Stanford, didn't complete the job, but they did come back from 21 against Utah with with 21 second half points. I do think that has to be acknowledged that, Hey, like if, if you let up, they're good enough to, to beat you. So just going up by 21 and then coasting is not going to be enough. You have to keep your, your foot down because they do have the weapons to make the big plays to win this game. But but they also put themselves in positions where they fall down 21 points uh, and, and struggle to move the football in the first half. So why does Oregon win this football game? How does Oregon win this football game? I, I think it gets to the idea for me, the first thing that I look at and say, offensively, we still have yet to see a complete game by Oregon offensively. And if there's ever a time to play your best game of football, I think this is it. Um, I I also think Oregon's passing attack, if Devin Williams can play in this game, will be able to move the football enough and to loosen up that um, Husky defense where they could gash them on the ground because there's so much focus with stopping Devin Williams and and Micah Pittman and Johnny Johnson and Jalen Redd. If Devin Williams can't play in this game, I think that's a game changer. And it really allows, I think, UW to suffocate the passing attack and 
devote more attention to Oregon's run game? I did uh, the Monday morning five predictions. Those are up on the site right now. It's a VIP story. So again, if that's a prompt, if you're not a subscriber and you want to read that story, go subscribe now. You get the first month for a dollar. And obviously, if you've listened in the past, we run all sorts of promotions and we'll have, I'm sure later this month, another 50% off or 60% off sort of promotion. I'm not going to hint what that's going to be, but there'll be something like that coming up um, as well. But one of the things I said here is I don't expect either team to score more than 28 points. And I think this is going to be a similar kind of like game script, if you will, to the Oregon Cal game where it's going to come down to the defenses and it's going to come down to which offense can just be a little bit better in clutch situations. And obviously we saw the last couple of weeks, Oregon's offense falter there. And as Matt said, Washington's offense has been a lot better in second halves. They've fought back to beat Oregon State in a game that they needed to score some points late and avoid what would have been at the time a, a, a colossal upset. They needed a lot of points to beat Utah, and they had a, a huge deficit against Stanford. And, and as Matt said, we're right on the doorstep of coming back. Didn't quite get their Stanford credit to them for to finishing that one off and, and for making this race more interesting or else – if, I mean, if Stanford hadn't won that game, we would have, this game would have next to no bearings. It wouldn't mean a whole lot other than for bragging rights, bragging rights. So, but like, I think this is going to be a low-scoring game, and I really think it comes down to which offense can kind of step up in the clutch spots because I do think this game is going to be close. I don't anticipate either side blowing the doors off the other one. I really don't. I think there's too much pride. The talent in this game is even enough. There is so much on the line, and this is going to be a pressure-packed game, and I think this is really going to test Oregon's offense again. And is this is the Oregon offense that we see when it matters on Saturday at 1 p.m. against Washington, the same Oregon offense we saw not pick up a first down when they needed to against Oregon State and kind of cost that game, throw, throw an interception to allow Oregon State to pick up momentum to completely – just kind of implode offensively did not be much of anything in the second half against Cal. Is it that team? Cause if it's that group, Oregon's going to lose this game. There's no doubt, but can it also be the team we saw in the second halves of the games against Stanford and Washington state where they won the second halves by a combined score of 50 to 17 ran the clock, ran the ball dominated, had big plays in the passing game. Can they be that offense? And that was one of the other keys I had here, or one of the other predictions I had, and I won't run through all of it, but like Oregon, the last three weeks has not, they have not won a second half in a football game. They tied against UCLA in the second half, 14 14. They were outscored 28 14 by Oregon State, and then they were outscored 7 nothing by Cal. That's the trend right now, is they have not played well in the second half. They've been dominated and beat down in the second half by other teams. That can't happen this week. And to me, this really comes down to, can they make the plays? Can they be clutch in the second half? And you hope that the defense, which really has this last game against Cal, really played and showed it can hang. You hope that you see more of that against Washington, and you hope you see less of what you've seen the last couple of weeks from Oregon and, and their offense in the second half, because if it's that group, it's not going to be pretty. We're going to cover this entire rivalry game throughout the week on DuckTerritory.com. Highly encourage you guys to check it out. Uh, go to duckterritory.com to read all of that. If you're not a VIP subscriber, please consider doing so. $1 for your first month, $9.95 thereafter that. 
if you don't want, uh, and I should say that's, that is the most impactful way to support this podcast. And Eric and I are doing these at least three days a week, plus a post game show. Uh, so there's a ton of podcasts that we do and subscribing to DuckTerritory.com uh, is the easiest way to support this show and to allow us to continue to do so. Other ways to do it, go and give us a review on iTunes or Google Podcasts or Spotify, whatever platform you use uh, to listen to the show. Please consider giving us a, um, a review that helps us. It, it puts us up on the higher up in the algorithm. We've uh, seen a couple trickle in and it's always appreciative and hearing uh the good things and also hearing where we can get some improvement in terms of the show as well. So those are two different ways you can support the show on the podcast and basketball season is here. We will have hoops podcast coming up on Tuesday. We will have mailbag on Wednesday. We're efforting to secure a guest for Thursday's show. And then we'll also preview and give our predictions for this game on Friday. And then, Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, we will have our post-game podcast breaking everything down from an Oregon football standpoint. So a ton of podcasts to look forward to, a lot of coverage to look forward to this week, and we hope to see you on DuckTerritory.com. Until then, we'll talk to you later. Talk to you later, folks.